Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Galatians 6, 6, 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest that also be, be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Restoring a brother who has fallen is loving a brother. That's loving a brother. And that's the royal law. That's the called the law of Christ. And then Paul goes on, Romans 15, Romans 15, 1 through 3. Romans 15, 1 through 3. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. See, bearing the infirmities of the weak means to be on the lookout for those who have needs and then put ourselves into the position of fulfilling those needs. Now, then we see something else about Laban when he said in verse 29, it's in the power of my hand to do you hurt. See, when Laban says, it's in the power of my hand to do you hurt, that showed Laban's a proud man. He loves himself. He's a proud man. He's impressed with the power that's in his hand. But Laban says he was stopped. He was stopped by who he called the God of your father. Now, that's revealing when Laban calls him the God of your father. It's revealing about about how Laban calls God, what he calls him. First, Laban did not call God your God. He didn't say Jacob's God. He didn't. Even though God was protecting Jacob, and Laban saw that, Laban did not call God the God of Jacob. He didn't say your God, but he said the God of your father. Now, what does that show? Well, it shows that Jacob doesn't seem to have had much of a testimony with Laban. I mean, Jacob, at least from Laban's perspective, was not seen as a God-fearing man by Laban, which is a sad comment on Jacob's life at this time. But not to worry, it'll all change in the next chapter. So when we see Laban call God the God of your father, that just wasn't great for Jacob to hear, which raises the questions about us. What do others around us say that God is to us? Would they say God is your God? What is there in our lives that would identify to them that God is our God? See, there was not enough in Jacob's life for Laban to say God was Jacob's God. But it's also significant that Laban does not call God my God. 
He, Laban did not say, my God spoke to me in a dream last night. Then that was because, obviously, God was not Laban's God. Laban did not say, God spoke to me in a dream last night, because, and he didn't even say, the God of heaven, the God of earth spoke to me in a dream last night. See, when Laban said, the God of your father spake unto me yesterday night, that showed Laban had no personal relationship with God. Even though God spoke to him, Laban had no personal relationship with God. Laban was not willing also to acknowledge that God was the only true God. He wasn't willing to that. Laban was, not, was saying that God was just a God. Now, that's kind of amazing. Now, in verse... In verses 33 through 35, in verses 33, 34, 35, so you look at those verses, 33, 34, 35, there are three words, the same three words that appear in each verse. Verse 33, verse 34, verse 35. And it's put there for a purpose, but first we got to find out what are the three words. There's just three words that appear that's it. That's it. But found them not. But found not. Those are the three words that the Holy Spirit has put there over and over and over again so that we are carried along with Laban in this search from one tent to after another tent and another tent and the same conclusion, but found not, but found not, but found not. Now let's just stop here when we think about this and just think about what has Laban said. First, Laban says to Jacob, the God of your father found me, right? The God of your father found me and spoke to me. And I didn't want him to find me. I didn't want him to speak to me, but he found me and he spoke to me. And then second time, the second, every time it says, but found not, but found not, but found not, Laban would have to be honest and say, you know, my gods are lost or stolen, and they, and, and they can't help me find them. <laughs> this is funny. I want to find them. I can't find them. I didn't want Isaac's God to find me. He found me. And he spoke to me. I wish my gods would speak. I want my gods. I want to find my gods. And I want my gods. They can't find me. My gods cannot help me find them. Laban's gods, you know, you ask the question, why didn't Laban's God say, hey, I'm over here, you know? <laughs> Come a little farther. You're getting closer. You know, why, you know, why didn't Laban's God speak to him? I mean, Isaac's God spoke to him. Why didn't Laban's God? Because what David said in Psalm 115.5, Psalm 115.5, same thing is repeated in Psalm 135.16, Psalm 135.16, same words. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. See, in Psalm 135, verse 17, Psalm 135.17, he says, they have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. This really shows us spiritual blindness. This shows us what spiritual blindness looks like. It's amazing that Laban didn't sit down and just logically think this thing through. Wait a second. Isaac's God found me, and he spoke to me. Hmm. My gods can't speak, and I can't even find them. Why wasn't Laban converted? Why wasn't Laban converted with this stark demonstration within 24 hours that 
He had been found by God. He had been spoken to by God. His gods were lost. They can't speak. It gets to a bigger, broader question. Why aren't people today converted? Yeah, that's it. Is it because of a lack of information? No. Is it, a, is it an if-only case? If only he could read this book. If only he could hear this sermon. If only he could come to this meeting, he'd be saved. God himself spoke to Laban, and Laban was not converted. The only ifs were answered in a conversation between the rich man in hell and Abraham, where the rich man in hell was saying that his brothers would be converted if only if someone came back to him from the dead. And the conversation is recorded for us in Luke 16.30, Luke 16.30, where, it's, where the rich man said, and he said, and he said Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He was sure. He was sure. It was just that was needed. And Abraham said, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. See, the only ifs don't work. They don't work. Why not? Because of 2 Corinthians 4.3. 2 Corinthians 4.3. If our gospel be hid, it is him hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The reality is, our gospel's hid. That's reality. Our gospel is hid. Our precious gospel is hid to the lost. And to the lost, the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they cannot think with their minds. They cannot, they cannot logically think because their minds are blinded by Satan and Satan blinds the minds of the lost. What's the solution? What's the solution? The lost have to be saved. And salvation is open to anyone? Yes. Anyone and everyone. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Whosoever realizes, the saying there, whosoever, whosoever realizes, I'm lost, and I call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, no block. No block to anyone calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. There's no race block, there's no nationality block, against anyone to be saved. There's no predestination or election block against anyone to be saved. Salvation is open to anyone and everyone. It's open, and God wants to save everyone, but everyone does not want to be saved. Like my doctor, who, who, who on one visit, I gave him all this gospel literature, and then the Lord always has me get sick so I can do this gospel visitation. I keep explaining to him, would you please get saved so I wouldn't burn my finger and things like that. Anyway, so on the next visit, first thing he says when he walks in the door, I want to make one thing clear. I do not want to be saved. That's the block. That's the only block for a person to not be saved. And that was, and, 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 and that's the block of not willing to see yourself as a dirty, rotten sinner who's lost and not wanting to be saved from his sins. That keeps a person lost. That keeps them right under the blinding power of Satan. Now, this conversation has brought out something revealing also 
about Jacob. Verse 31, Jacob answered, said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, peradventure, this is interesting, peradventure, thou wouldst take by force thy daughters from me. What? What did Jacob just say? Did Jacob say he was afraid that Laban would take his daughters by force from him? Did Jacob say daughters and not daughter? Did Jacob just say that he was afraid that Laban, did he say just afraid he was going to take Rachel from him? Did he say he was afraid that he was going to take Leah also from him? What happened? What happened to Genesis 29, 31? When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. What happened to Genesis 29, 33? She conceived again and bare a son and says, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me a son also. What happened to Jacob's hatred of Leah? Something has happened. Something has happened to Jacob. Jacob has stopped hating Leah. And now he's afraid that Laban is going to take Leah away from him. He wasn't afraid of that at the wedding. You see, he was very glad, take this one away and give me the one I wanted. Verse 31 shows us a great change has happened in Jacob. Jacob has learned to love his wife Leah. What happened? Took a little time, but it was all about, he turns to Leah says, getting to know you, <laughs> getting to know all about you, getting to like you, hoping that you like me. Anyway, he's saying better than I did. So what we see has happened to Jacob in verse 31 is a lesson for marriages that are on the rocks. Be willing to stay together, and even hatred can turn to love. Now Jacob makes a very strange curse in verse 32. With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Hmm? Now, Why did Jacob make this curse? It's a very strange curse because Laban's gods were so repulsive to Jacob that Jacob figured, if by chance there's some secret idolater in my group, I don't want him. He doesn't know it's a her. (laughs) Which shows Jacob had no idea that the secret idolater was Rachel. And Rachel said that she was in her state where she was untouchable. And Laban thought, well, his gods would never tolerate to be sat on by Rachel in her state. So, so Jacob, he felt he had nothing to hide. He had nothing to hide because, well, he didn't know what, that Rachel had stolen the gods. Okay. But his feeling that he had nothing to hide was a wonderful thing. And, it was, and, and, and it's what the, the Corinthian believers Paul said about them in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. That's great to have a life of such transparency that it can be said, there's nothing to hide, can be known and read of all men, totally transparent. Now, after Laban was not able to find his gods, as we said, it's too bad, but Jacob lost his cool. In verse 36, verse 36, Genesis 31, 36, Jacob was wroth, showed with Laban. Jacob answered and said unto Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched, felt all my stuff. What is that so has found of all thy household stuff? Said it here before thy brethren, my brethren, thy brethren, that they may judge me twixt us both. See, when it says Jacob was wroth, was hot, it means he was 
twisted and squirmed in agony. And when it says that Jacob chode with Laban, it means Jacob blamed Laban. And so these words, wroth and chode, are describing strong feelings where emotions are just intense. This is a family fight. This isn't a family night. This is a family fight. And Dave Stafford, who used to attend the chapel, he was a police officer, and I remember one time he told me the most dangerous part of his job was when he had to intervene in a family fight. And now, Jacob, he's been described for us. He's a plain man. He's normally a calm man. He's a plain man. He's not a confrontational type person. He's not an Esau. He doesn't go fight. But he's been provoked. And the top has just blown off the tea kettle. And what has really infuriated Jacob is all about how Laban went about to do what he did. See, first, Jacob, it was not so much that Laban followed after Jacob, but it was how Laban followed after Jacob. When Jacob said to Laban in verse 36, that thou hast so hotly pursued after me. The word delak there for hotly, it's used, hotly pursued, was used to describe how Israel chased down the Philistines and killed them after David killed Goliath in second in first Samuel seventeen fifty three. First Samuel seventeen fifty three. The children of Israel returned from chasing, that's the word, after the Philistines to spoil their tents. See, literally, Jacob is saying to Laban, You hunted me down like an animal. You hunted me down like an animal. The next thing that really provoked Jacob was how Laban looked for his gods, where, where, where Laban, it says he literally felt through his stuff. Laban showed no respect for Jacob's stuff, but just ransacked through, through Jacob's stuff. Laban wasn't coming into town and said, excuse me, can I have a look in that basket, please? He didn't do that. It was more like, out of my way or I'll knock you over. Now, Jacob describes, starts his description, after he's lost his cool, He's starting his description of all the unfair treatment that Jacob has endured at the hands of Laban, which were the harsh conditions that we read, the heat, the frost, and the desert, the, 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 the harsh treatment of having to personally replace any animal that was lost and not Jacob's fault. Oh, he goes on to details. But Jacob describes these conditions and what he had to endure in verse 38 with these words, this 20 years have I been with thee. He starts his description with these words, this 20 years. That's a long time. This 20 years. And of everything that Jacob details out in verses 38 through 41, the most impressive part is his start, this 20 years, which he repeats at the end in verse 38. Thus have I been 20 years in thy house, 20 years. He says, it's a long time. And when we read it, we're impressed. That's a long time. That's a long time that Jacob endured. That's a long time that Jacob didn't give up. Jacob could have given up and just left. You know, when Laban put the harsh conditions on him from the start, Jacob could have said, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done, right? I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to continue. I just want to go as I came. I'm quitting. I don't want your daughters. Keep your daughters. It's just not worth it. But Jacob had his eye on the goal of getting Rachel, and he didn't quit. 
and Jacob endured. And after he got Rachel, Jacob knew what it was going to be like to work another six years for Laban. And he could have said, you know what? I don't want to work for you anymore. Laban, I'm just leaving. But Jacob had his eye on the goal of getting the cattle, so Jacob endured, and he didn't give up. See, this emphasis, this 20 years emphasis, it shows us Jacob endured. He did not give up. That's a lesson for us. That's a lesson for us on endurance. Job describes our type of endurance with these words in Job 17.9. Job 17.9. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. That's a beautiful verse. Now, John described endurance as the mark of a true follower of the Lord Jesus when he said in 1 John 2.19, 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. What's the most important parable that the Lord Jesus Christ taught? Of all his parables, what's the most important one? Mm -mm. The one that he said, if you don't know this parable, how are you going to know any parable? How are you going to know all the parables? It was the parable of the sower and the seed. As he said in Mark 4.13, Mark 4.13, he said unto them, know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? It's the most important one. What the Lord Jesus was saying, that the parables cannot be understood without knowing this fundamental, foundational parable of the sower and the seed. Now, there are many, many truths that are seen in this parable of the sower and the seed. It's in Mark 4.2, Mark 4, 2 through 9. He taught them many things. That's what it says. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it had much earth. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Some fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, choked it. It yielded no fruit. Other fell on good ground where it did yield fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100. He said unto them, he that hath ears, let him hear. Well, they didn't hear. They didn't get it. They said, explain it to us. He says, okay, I'll give the explanation. In Mark 4, 14, he says, the sower soweth the word. These are they by the wayside where the word was sown, is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sakes, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, Receive it, bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5-point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.